Hello everyone and welcome to episode 34 of the Talking Football Podcast with me, Derek Clark. Thank you very much for your company as always. Every week I bring you an exclusive in-depth interview with some of the most colourful and interesting characters in the beautiful game. This week I had the pleasure of talking to the former Greenock Morton and Kilmarnock midfielder Alan Mahood. As a boyhood Killy fan, Alan managed to live the dream and star for the Rugby Park side for six years. He came to prominence in Greenock where his impressive displays saw the likes of Liverpool, Chelsea and Rangers chase his signature. He decided to join Nottingham Forest under the legendary Brian Clough but things didn't quite work out for him down there and he returned to Capelo before his move to Ayrshire. It was great to listen to Alan's story in the game. It's packed full of honesty as always. So sit back and enjoy this week's episodes of the Talking Fitball Podcast. Welcome everyone to another edition of the Talking Fitball Podcast. I'm delighted this week that we're joined by a man, a top midfielder for Morton and Kilmarnock. It is the one and only Alan Mahood. Alan, thanks very much for joining us this week. Not a problem. Um, great career in the game, Alan. I've got here you were born in, in Kilwinning, 1973, but what was life like growing up back then? Were you always playing with a ball? I more or less, it was I don't, a couple older brothers, and it was always a case of uh, had a ball at my feet out in the streets because they were back in the days. You're encouraged to get in the streets and kick the ball a bit, so I was always playing somewhere or other. Did you support any team as, as as a young boy? Did you follow anybody? I was always a Comanche supporter. I've got brought up um, Comanche with my local team, and my dad always encourages to watch the local team. So he used to take his air when I was about four or five. I think my first game was, and ever since then, I was just always Comanche. Great stuff. Did you have any sort of role models, any heroes that you looked up to? No, not in particular. No, I, I always put a. It's a strange one, but I grew up I always liked Glenn Hoddle for some reason. Yeah, he was a player. Um, yeah, he was a player. Um, but I, I, he was a kind of the only one that I kind of looked up to. He was a, obviously a top midfielder. You were a, a midfielder yourself, Alan. Was that a position that you you always played at, at like sort of boys' club level and, and growing up? No, when I started, I was uh, a kind of old-fashioned sweeper. Um, wow! <laughs> I was I was carrying a wee bit of weight, a wee bit of <laughs> um, but I could kick the ball hard, so I think I get put to the back just to kick it out the park as fast as far as it could. But um, it wasn't until I was maybe a wee bit older I started getting into midfield, um, and ever since then it just kind of that was my position. I mentioned the boys' club. Did did you play for a, a number of boys' clubs growing up then before you were sort of picked up by Morton? I did. I started at uh, Mardia Tussle when I was about eight or nine, and then I went on to uh, Valspar and uh, Rangers Amateurs. I played there, mm-hmm. um, and it was just around about that time I, I signed the schoolboy forms with Morton when I was about thirteen. Yeah, and uh, how did the, I guess they just sent scouts to go and watch you? Is that, that how that sort of materialised? Well, it was um, John Anderson who I, I later played with Morton. His dad Jake. Uh, John played with at Rangers as well so Jake was the chief scout at Morton and um, invited me along for a, a few training sessions and a few games and um, I just did sign for there so it was big Jake that, that got me along Magic good stuff and what, what was it like signing the schoolboy forms then is it uh, were you training was it a couple of th- couple of times a week over there? Well it's a wee bit different now it's obviously the academies where yeah. it's uh, three nights a week and it's very structured and whatever but back then we just used to play on a Tuesday night uh, at the Broomhill and Greenock, if anybody knows for that is. It was always um, 
wild if it wasn't windy, it was raining or it was both. Um, when it was up in a wee hill, but it was a, it was good. It was a good uh, good education for me coming through Cowan with the grass pitches and everything was fine. Then you got there on the red ash and you kind of had to look after yourself. So <laughs> yeah. it was a wee bit different. Yeah, it certainly is. Um, going through the sort of modern youth system, did you always sort of did did you feel that you had the ability to make a career in the game? Is that something that you always felt confident that you could do? I think it was something obviously I always wanted to do, so I knew that I had to kind of knuckle down and uh, make a few sacrifices when I was younger, um, to turn up at training or go to games and whatever. And that was, was something I always done. Um, and my dad always instilled it in us that if that's what you wanted to do, then you had to obviously give it hundred percent. And it, luckily, it worked out for me. Yeah, I was going to say that in terms of sacrifices, we spoke to a, a few guys. Um, had Martin Canning on a couple of weeks ago, and he says it was tough. But um, when you've got your pals going out every weekend and what have you, and you need to uh, you need to stay in, sort of thing. Was that the same for for you? To be fair, it wasn't a, it, the kind of drinking culture wasn't really a real thing in my family at that time, mm. or, um, and. I, I went to BBs on a Friday night, so that kind of kept us in the straight yeah. narrow, kind of off the streets, and then we played on a Saturday, so it was fine. And the, can you remember making your debut for Morton? I do, I do. It was um, Air United away last game of the 88-89 season. Oh. Um, I had played, I was still at school, <laughs> but I played in the Friday as Morton did. We played against a prison team in the Friday at Capolo. Um, in a closed door game they came and played us and I played the full game and um, after the game the gaffer said to me how do you fancy we're on the bench tomorrow with the first team so that was kind of how it worked so wow. played the last 20 minutes down at Somerset we beat them 1-0 thankfully so that uh, was a good good debut Yeah you mentioned there Capolo Alan what, I mean it's I don't think it's changed since you, you've been there what was it like to play there? I thought it was great it was always a, a a really good surface with a good atmosphere and teams didn't really like coming to us and they found it kind of tricky um, so it was always good it was always a, a good place to play Yeah and when you made your debut and you're playing against obviously you said you're still at school but you're playing against sort of grown men but were you overawed somewhat did, did it take you a wee while to adjust to that? No I think because I had I was lucky enough I used to go in and the kind of school holidays and train and it was a kind of, I get flung in with the kind of older boys anyway, so I was used to playing against them, and um, I get taken away pre-season up to the Highlands to play against um, Devonvale and Huntley and teams like that. So yeah. these were big guys that would um, they wouldn't hold back in the challenges. So you kind of <laughs> yeah. get, get used to you get used to that side, the physical side. Yeah, and I know it's sort of you don't see it so much now in the game, but when you were growing up there at Morton, were you cleaning boots and, and parts of the ground and all that sort of stuff? We done all the jobs, right? Yeah. Um, we, which I think's great. I think that's maybe what's lacking now. Mm-hmm. A bit of discipline and stuff, but we used to clean the showers and the old communal baths and stuff, and even do the paint in the terraces. And <laughs> so it was, it was good as much as it. People probably look back now and think it was about a child play, but it wasn't. It was just to to show you the other side of the life. It wasn't just all about being a footballer. Yeah, absolutely. Alan McGraw, of course, the legend that, that was there at the time as well. What what was he like as a, as a manager? He was great. He was great. He always looked after the boys, and um, I think it showed because the boys wanted to play for him. And I think that's always a big thing for a manager. He was great. His man management style was great, and he was, his door was always open to everybody to go and chat at any time. Mm-hmm. 
And I was reading as well that, I mean, you just played a handful of games for Morton and all sorts of teams were chasing, you know, like uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, Palace, uh, Rangers and, and Forest, of course. But how did that feel as, as a young boy like that, having all those sort of big clubs sniffing about you? I think, to be fair, I was quite naive at the time and I just, all I wanted to do was play football. So it didn't really have a big impact on me. It was kind of more the people running about me, my pals and my family spoke about it, but... I just wanted to play, so it didn't really affect me too much. Yeah, and you went down to a couple of clubs, didn't you? That was bringing you down to trade with, with Liverpool and, and uh, went down to Chelsea as well. I did. I went down to Liverpool for a couple of days, uh, done a bit of training there, and obviously some big names at that time was was at Liverpool, and then mm-hmm. um, I come back up, and it was rumoured I was going to sign, but nothing ever happened, and then flew down to Chelsea to speak to them, but it just didn't feel didn't feel right at the time. So yeah. nothing can happen for there. Yeah, and then Forest, of course, you joined Forest in '91. What was the, what made you decide to go down there? It was again. It was just one of the things I'd, I'd flown down my mum and dad, and I'd been shown around about the place, and it just felt something felt right. And at that time, Forest were playing young boys; they were giving them a chance. So it was just one of the things that felt as if it maybe take a a chance for him because it just it was the, the right place to be. Of course, the legend that is Brian Clough was down there at the time. What what was he like? Well, he wasn't actually there the day I signed. He was away filming a shredded tweet commercial, so I never <laughs> actually got to meet him. Um, but I think um, at that time, he'd obviously been in the game a long time and he was kind of coming towards the end of his kind of career. So yeah. I maybe didn't see the best of him. So yeah. it's hard to kind of reflect on that. Yeah, I mean, you weren't there at Forest Long, Alan, but what was it like moving away from... Your home effectively going down there as a, as a young boy? I think that was the biggest thing. It was homesickness played a mm. big part in it. Um, but again, it's something you, you, I can't regret it because I, I'd have wondered what would have happened if I didn't go. So mm-hmm. it was something I thought I had to try and do. And it turns out it wasn't the best. The, the biggest problem was I was injured when I went down. Yeah. So I was I wasn't getting to train with the boys. I signed in the March and it wasn't until pre season in the, the June, July time that I actually got to train with the boys again. So. It was a it was a hard time. Yeah, were you training with the with the first team when you when you got back to the training? Well, I, I went away pre season with the first team. I'd went to Sweden, so I was lucky enough to get taken away there. But when I come back, it was just mainly the reserves I was with. Mm-hmm. There was there was some big characters there at the time, though, wasn't it? Forrest, the likes of Roy Keane and all that was there. Do you manage to see, sort of spend any time with these guys? Well, he, to be fair, was only a year older than me, so I, yeah. I managed to. Um, there's a few there's a group of boys like Gary Boyer and people yeah. like that that all kind of hang about together so it was good I, it was, I wouldn't say we were best pals but yeah um, no we spent a lot of time together I. yeah and of course you, you can back up the road qu- quite soon do you ever look back and think if I maybe just stuck down there a wee bit longer what what might have been no I, I, I try not to think like that <laughs> I think of the positives it was just yeah. I was at a stage it was just um, I wanted back up the road uh-huh. and kind of familiarity I wanted back to playing and enjoying football again which I wasn't really doing down there so yeah when the chance come come back to uh, come back to Morton I just I, I jumped at it yeah absolutely and coming back to Morton I mean that that second spell you were there they had some right great talented players there at the time didn't they like said Derek McInnes and what have you that Jan Lindbergh was there what was it like to play alongside alongside these guys obviously good players but it ran right through the team yeah. um like Sir John Anderson, big Brian Reid was his back centre oh, half yeah. as well at the time, and Yanni and Marco had come, and uh, 
McInnes and you Derek Lally up front. So it was a good um, a good core of boys to play with and they're good in the dressing room as well off the park. So I think that helps. Yeah, I was going to touch on Marco Rajamaki. He's obviously a flamboyant character, but what was it like at, in and around the club as well? Marco's actually quite a quiet boy, didn't he? When he lost his temper, you heard him, but he was quite, <laughs> he just kind of went about his business. But I think Marco got a lot more credit than Yanni because of the long blonde hair. But for yeah. me, Yanni was different class. Yanni was one of the best players I've played with. Wow. Um, so just for his uh, ability and just the way he played, I thought it was different class. Yeah, you had great players. I mean, there was reading that you came mightily close to getting into that that playoff spot, didn't you? In ninety five, ninety six season to go up into the into the Premier League. Can you remember much of that season and how sort of gutted you were to miss out and effectively goal difference at the, at the end of it? I think it was just one of these seasons that everything seemed to go well for us, and we just kept kind of we got into a good habit of winning and were playing well. Um, and it just kept kind of momentum keep going and kept going and then it got to the last game of the season in United at home but mm-hmm. I was injured for the game I missed it but it was I think it's actually harder watching these games than I was playing in them yeah um, but I just remember the crowd it was kind of bursting at the seams and you, you just think with Capelos like every week what a place it could be yeah and of course you'd, you'd play in the, the, the top division with Kilmarnock but do you feel that, that Morton had the size of Morton because it's got a great fan base and what have you it's, it's, they've maybe not been in the top flight they really should be in there and the, the top flight would, would be good with them in there I think um, I think they've been away too long for the yeah. top flight but I, would, I think that year if we'd have went up and made a couple of signings we'd have done okay I think it would have been about survival and um, just being in there, but I wouldn't want to go up and be the kind of whipping boys, if you like. But I think we'd have done okay. Yeah. Um, but as you say, they've been out. Morton are a kind of sleeping giant. They've got a, yeah. a fan base there that are waiting to come, but they just they need success to get them there. Um, but again, potentially they're a big, big club. Yeah, definitely. Um, you played against Paul Gascoigne, of course, when you were at Morton. But what was that like? That was good. It's always good, I think, when you're, especially when you're a lower league club, to go up to these teams and play against boys like that. But he wasn't, he, obviously. The only if Gaza didn't have the ball, it was Durant or Coyster yeah. or Mark Haley sticking one in the top corner. So it, <laughs> it was just like all over the park. That's the difference between these teams, obviously, the different leagues. Yeah, and then the, the time came to, to leave Morton. You joined Kilmarnock in 98. How did all that come about? It was just my contract was up at Morton and it, I'd been rumoured to sign them the year before after they won the cup and nothing ever happened. Uh-huh. Um, and then the, my contract was up and uh, I'd spoke to Bobby and asked if I'd like to sign and obviously I jumped at the chance. Yeah, I mean, you played under a couple of managers at Kilmarnock, Bobby Williamson you mentioned there, but what was he like and how did he sort of differ to uh, to Jim Jeffries? Bobby was... Um, Bobby's in... Castle Malcarista his boys, he was quite down to earth and um but he wasn't really a shouter. He was mm-hmm. well, he, he did when he had to, but um Bobby was great for if the team were doing well and winning and going in a wee run, he would just be same team, same subs out of his team talk and just let you go and play. <laughs> it was quite short and sweet, but it was effective. Um and if you weren't in the team you knew you had to do something to get back in. Uh-huh. Did you notice much uh, an increase in, in quality and standards from what you were used to at Morton to when you went to Kilmarnock? Well, obviously, I mean, no disrespect, but you're getting up there and you're playing the likes of Durant and Coyste, who are yeah. international players, but you've also got Gordon Marshall, Gus McPherson, Kev McGowan, all these experienced players, Paul Wright, Ray Montgomery, so yeah. they've been playing in the, the SPL for years. 
um, and they knew what it took to survive in there and to do well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ian Durant, you mentioned there uh, as a player, he had a sort of swan song, didn't he, when he went to Kilmarnock after after leaving Rangers? It must have been great to play alongside a guy like of, of that caliber. Well, him and him and Coist, they were apparently coming just to kind of wind down and just see at their careers yeah. and for a jolly up. But um, the two of them worked worked their socks off every day and um, in games. Durant, for me personally, it was it was great for me in games, just talking you through it and helping you along the way. But when I first went there, Bobby didn't think the twos could play together, too similar, but mm. um, I took that as a compliment, but obviously it wasn't very good sitting watching every week, but mm-hmm. um, it just kind of, Bobby changed his mind for some reason, and then uh, I managed to, I kind of played beside him more or less the rest of the, the time he played. Yeah, but you'd have been obviously an experienced pro at that time as well, and but did he, did he sort of talk you through through games at all, Durante? I just just daft with things that people don't see, but we'd maybe play a three in midfield and he'd be playing in the middle and then he would shout me in to come and play in the middle for five or ten minutes and he'd get wide and we'd just kind of spell it and mm-hmm. just wee things like that to put a wee bit more onus on yourself and, and let you go and play. Yeah, uh, McCoy, you mentioned was there as well, it must be uh, must have been a quite a fun dressing room there. It was good, I, I mean there was never a dull moment but People forget that Coist is a winner as well, so there's yeah. the other side of him that um, he wasn't just there for a, a bit of fun and a, a laugh and a carry on. He was, he was serious, and when he, he played, he played. And um, it kind of reflects on that the first game of the season, we beat Hearts 3 0 and he got hat tricks. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's what it was all about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rugby Park, how, how did you enjoy playing there? Loved it, loved it because it was always, again, I said earlier, it was a place that I'd been to since I was four and five year old and a place I always went back to watch games anytime I could and just to get the chance to play on it every week was was great. Yeah, absolutely. Um I was looking back as well, you had a great um well you scored a goal in that, that last day of the season against Celtic in the, the two thousand, two thousand one season to get the club into, into Europe. What what was that like to, to play in and, and to score that, that goal as well? It must have been quite a quite a day for you. It was great. I, I it was one of the ones. I mean, the, I get slagged for it for because it was a toe poke for two yards, but it just about crossed the line, so I claimed it. Um, and as you say, it got us into into Europe. I think the the kind of biggest point of that day was it was Coyce's last game. Yeah. But it was Boydie's big Boydie's debut. Yeah. So it was a kind of out of the old and in the new kind of thing. So it was quite a, a memorable day. Obviously, you've seen Boydie as, as a as a youngster. Did did you sort of know back then that he would go on and break all sorts of scoring records? Obviously, you don't know these things, but you've got a, a rough idea that he's going to do well when you've been seeing him coming up through the youth, and you can hear you, you hear his name before you see him, mm. and then you kind of start to take a wee bit of notice of him. And you just knew he was an actual goal scorer. Yeah, but... um, at times he, he were want to throttle him because he wouldn't, you'd make a run and he wouldn't have passed you but then the next one would stick it in it so you couldn't really argue with him <laughs> uh, Of course you, you did qualify for Europe you played a, a few European games uh, as well a notable one was uh, a bit of a lesson for Kelly but it's a step up in class when you played Kaiserslaut and some, some names that you played against in, in, in that game Well it was um, again uh, Comarnock was another th- uh, uh, the bonus was uh, we were in Europe every year whether it was finishing in fourth or it was a fair play or whatever but I, yeah. I managed to, I was fortunate enough to go to a lot of lovely countries and although you didn't see much of them it was it was just good to go and play in different stadiums and against different teams um, and we went to Germany and obviously they had 
Dorka if he just won the World Cup the year before. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't get much bigger than that. So it was good. I mean, it's just good to see you've and I technically just was on the park at the same time as him because I couldn't get a kick to the ball. Yeah. Um, but these guys were, were different class. But I always remember the game sticks my mind with a couple of chances, but nothing each. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure Durant had one, me David Began had one, and you just think if they'd have been in, it might have been a bit different. Either that, they might have just have turned it up and beat us 6 or 7 too. But... Um, you never know, but it was a great experience. Oh, it absolutely is. Uh, I've just got a text. We, we interviewed um, interviewed John, John Henry a few weeks ago, obviously a player that you, you played with. He says here, <laughs> ask Alan if it's true, he used to get called a stowaway in any trips abroad by Ian Durant at all. No, at all. Zippy's, Zippy's mind's uh, blood for all the <laughs> tablets he used to take back in the day. Zippy, Zippy used to carry a medical journal just to see what was wrong with him. <laughs> yeah, but it was some boy, a good player as well, John. Very good player. Yeah, he certainly is. He asked me as well, I asked him who's the best fair-haired midfielder he played with, so... Um, ah, he's, he's, he's a gentleman, John Henry. Ah, he's a good lad. Yeah, he absolutely is. Um, so, I mean, there were some foreign boys as well at Kelly at that time you were there as well, like, like uh, Christoph Kokar, Jerome Verai as well. So, a lot of different characters there. Well, for me, Kokar was different class. He, he was able to just go and take men on. He did a step over thing he'd done. He knew he was going to do it, but he just couldn't read it. But uh, Jerome. Jerome was unpredictable. Jerome could score you a goal, but he was just, he didn't know what he was going to do next. But yeah. the best one for me was big Freddie Dindaloo. Well, he was who, a player. Yeah, he played centre half, and this is Pot Kettle Black, but Freddie didn't have much pace about him, but he could read the game. No, he, was... he was. He was very good on the ball, and he, he was confident and comfortable coming out of the ball at his feet for defence. So I thought. Freddie done very well. Yeah, he's a cracking player. Um, just lastly, on Kilmarnock, you said that you had the chance to join them the year before. This part of you sort of regret missing out on that, that Scottish Cup uh, triumph when they, when they won the trophy? No, it was actually after the Scottish Cup, so it would have been the, the 97, ah, June right, okay. 97, um, whereas I joined in the June 98, so it wasn't because um, I obviously played against them in the quarters that yeah. year in 97 with Morton. Um, no, you, it was the following year. Did you go to Ibrox as a, as a fan that day? No, I, if memory serves right, I was at a wedding. No oh, worries. <laughs> so I couldn't make it, but I'd, I'd watched it in the telly. Um, but when you left Kilmarnock, were you a bit sad to leave it when the time came to, to leave Rugby Park? Ah, of course I was. Um, again, had six great years there, and uh, a bit injury towards the end of my, my time there, and maybe that kind of put paid to not getting another contract. But it's always sad when you leave a place like that. Yeah, absolutely. And brief spells at Ross County and St Johnston didn't quite work out there. And you rejoined Morton. Then was it? Did Morton just say here, fancy rejoining? Well, it was. I was at St Johnston, and obviously uh, you can tell things aren't working out for you, and that it's not going to go your way. And I'd spoke to Mark Dunnicky, who's uh, I played with Morton. He's an agent. Yeah. And uh, I just said to him, "Can you help me out?" Because he'd gone to St Johnston, and. Um, they got in touch to say Morton were interested with a go, and I said that obviously because I I think it was the heart rolling ahead because I did such a good time there previously. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, it was on my doorstep, which helped. <laughs> so, um, so I went there. Yeah, but just going back again, you played it in that game the sort of original helicopter Sunday, didn't you? Against Celtic at Rugby Park. Yes. Yep. What was that like to play? And that was that was just a crazy game, wasn't it? It was I just a crazy day, I think, because what happens I... was happening at Ibrooks as well. I think it was just um, you couldn't write it. One of the ones. That yeah. you, if somebody had told you it was going to happen, then you wouldn't have believed them. And I think, if memory serves, 
Celtic had to beat us by five or four I or think, something. Yeah, I think, it's, yeah. It's something like that. And uh, Alan Thompson missed a penalty. Yeah, I think. Our place. Yeah. So it was just no, it was, a, it was just a crazy day, but it was a great day for us because the rugby park was was full, bouncing, and, yeah. Uh, and that's the kind of obviously the atmospheres you love to play in. Yeah, absolutely. You played obviously back at Morton for a spell, but then you sort of retired at a relatively young age. Alan, was that was that injury related there? It was a wee bit of both. Um, Morton um, didn't offer me anything else. Um, said they couldn't, which was fine, um, and it was. I had a wee kind of niggle on my, my knees a few times and I had that many operations on them and I thought, there's no point just trying to keep kind of flogging a dead horse here. I'd be as well mm. just, while I've still got relatively good health, um, yeah. look after myself. So it was, people laugh about it. I'm saying I didn't want to have been the daddy's race at school in a wheelchair because <laughs> that's the way it was heading. Jesus. It was like, uh, the, I was just worried that my, my knees were going to pack in. So I kind of took that decision myself to... To just kind of um, say enough was enough. Yeah. Did you go into a bit of coaching after that when you when you hung your boots up? I didn't know. I kind of I, I was in a halfway football for a wee bit. Just <laughs> I thought about just the way things worked out. Yeah. Maybe right or wrongly, I kind of thought maybe and it, football doesn't owe anybody anything. That's the thing. You can yeah. when you sit back at my age now and you think, well, that's life. You're kind of you had a piece of meat and you're just if you're mm-hmm. no at your prime then you're just cast aside so um, I didn't actually have anything I, the day can I get released off Morton was a kind of big wake up call big reality check and I just did not know what was next because obviously I had never kind uh, of spent my time wisely if you like and, mm-hmm. and built for the future so I'd, I'd actually went to sign on I was at a job centre signing on but I didn't know what I wanted to do and the, the woman's asking me what kind of jobs I'm looking for and I'm saying I have no clue I, d- I don't know what I really don't know what I want to do wow. um, so I, I actually then kind of once I got my head around it I met up with Stuart Rafferty who I played with um, at, at Morton and Stuart was the development officer in Greenock and he used to deliver football during the school so I ended up I went and done a wee bit of that with him which I enjoyed and then mm-hmm. I was down at Kilmarnock and I'd get speaking to Paul McDonald to is now head of the academy, but at the time he was head of the community department, mm-hmm. and he said, you fancy coming down a wee bit with me? So between doing a wee bit in Greenock and then uh, a wee bit down in Ayrshire, I was kind of coaching three or four days a week. Good stuff. And what what is it you're, you're up to now, Alan? I'm now uh, head of recruitment for the academy and at Kilmarnock. Uh, so oh, I'm stuff. back at Kilmarnock. Um, so I, it's my kind of remit to get players of 16 years old and under into the academy and, and try and discover the next big thing. Excellent stuff. And uh, well, Kilmarnock at the moment, how, how do you think, the, how, how do you feel they're getting on under Alex Darrow? Of course, last season was terrific under under Stevie Clark. Uh, Alessio comes in, it doesn't quite work out, but how, how do you feel, feel they're, uh, they're getting on under Alex? I think they're doing okay. I think um, it's been a kind of turbulent time recently just with the um, different managers coming and going obviously we've done so well under Stevie Clark it's it's always going to be a hard task for the next guy coming in um, but I think a wee bit of turmoil under Alessio and then when he leaves and then Big Alex obviously got to try and steady ship and then we lost a few games and the bounce and it was mm. kind of hard to hard to get the, 
the winning feeling back, but we're kind of up and down just now. But I think as long as we, if we can push and get in the top six, then I think that's for this season would probably be, and without being negative, I think it would be a, a good achievement just the way things have gone. Yeah, definitely. And your, your other former team, Morton, how, how do you see them going this well till the end of the season? Well, I always keep an eye on the results. It's always obviously a result to look out for, and they, I think they drew four each in Saturday. <laughs> um, but I'd like to see Big Hoppy doing well, obviously, another former teammate. Yeah, I was going to ask you about him. What, what, what was he like when you played with him? Because that was before he went down south, wasn't it? Uh, well, to be fair, again, Big Hoppy's quite quiet, big guy, obviously, big, um, big strapping boy, and yeah. uh, but he could run like the wind. He was like a big, strong kind of wide left or wide right two good feet uh-huh. uh, but I could tell he'd something mm-hmm. excellent stuff well Alan I think that'll do us there thank you very much for, for, for joining us I really appreciate it not a problem thanks very much Well, that was episode 34 of the Talking Fitball podcast with Alan Mahood. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks very much again for listening. Remember, if you've missed any so far, you can catch them all on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, and also by visiting the website DerekClarkSports.co.uk. We're also on Twitter at Talking underscore Fitball, as well as Facebook. And I hope you can join me again next week for another top interview. But until then, bye for now.